Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Heyo, it's Jeff Dwoskin. Welcome to a bonus episode of Classic Conversations featuring Crossing the Streams. It's such a radically different formatted episode. We have an entirely different intro for it, so you don't get shook to the bones. Like, what is going on? Well, you know when the bonus is coming, because it's a Crossing the Streams intro. What is Crossing the Streams? It's our weekly live show we do every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. We answer the universal question, what should I be binge-watching? I just watched this show. What should I watch next? All your questions are answered with Crossing the Streams. What is the bonus episode that your ears are tuned into at this moment? The bonus episode, which is part of Classic Conversations podcast feed, brings you three segments from the live show, but a variety of different shows. Today's, for example, comes from episodes 66, 68, and 67. It's a little coincidental that they're all kind of bunched up that way. Normally, they're a little more spread out, but we're going to talk to you today about Klitschko, Family Tree, and Genia's a Kanye trilogy. We're covering all those three today. What you're going to be hearing are segments from the live show, just pulled right from the live show. So we kind of take you right into it. You can head over to YouTube, search the Jeff Duoskin show. You can watch the full episodes. They're an hour long each. And we have over 70 episodes live, each one with four or five great suggestions, sometimes warnings for you. But without further ado, I want to introduce our first show for you. It's from episode 66. It's called Klitschko. Bob Phillips is going to take us through it. It's a boxing documentary, and it's also very relevant to events of today. All right, take it away, Bob. All right, speaking of fantastic. There you go. Klitschko. Wow, Klitschko. lots of boxing in this. You guys uh, are yeah, yeah, like, bo- um, Normally, Sal is a... <laughs> romantic something Rob, romantic um, something horrible something that like he goes yeah if you guys ever watch no none of us will ever watch that sal it's like you know and but this is his first boxing one it's like like Bob have you seen a, the anime version of you've got mail no yeah. I, <laughs> bob is a boxer bob used to box and so he's, he's a boxer kid okay a, i, I uh, Go ahead. I, I promise you, by that intro, you will be glad you listened to this little dissertation on this particular documentary because it is extraordinarily timely. Let's uh, back up all the way to, let's say, 1996. Vitali or Vitali, depending on how you pronounce his name, I say Vitali, <laughs> and Vladimir Klitschko, brothers. Vitali, the, the, uh, the older of the two, captured the heavyweight crown before his brother Vladimir. There is a long and winding road that I w- we don't have time to get into, and I, and I don't think I would even if I did. I want to summarize it by saying these two men are, unbel- first of all, were unbelievably skilled and successful boxers in the, say, uh, late 90s to uh, mid-2000s. The Klitschko era they actually had an era they called it. I think it was from like, I don't know, 2000 to 2015. 
when Vladimir uh, finally lost to um, Tyson Fury. Uh, let's start all the way back. And, uh, and, and again, there's a payoff to this. I want you, want you to, well, I don't want to say pay attention, but uh, it, it will be of interest. This starts in uh, Kazakhstan, where Vitaly and, uh, and Vladimir are born to parents, uh, one of whom is a major general in the Soviet uh, Air Force. I think in Kazakhstan, it's a stand. You know, there's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of opportunities. So they move. I'm not going to tell you where, but they move several times and they become successful amateur boxers, Olympic competitors until they are held back no longer and actually become heavyweight champs in their own right. Vitaly, I'm going to say Vitaly for this uh, this particular night. Uh, He is uh, heavyweight champ first. Now, the natural question is if they're both heavyweights, they're both 240 pounds. They look like Greek gods. Uh, they're both like 6'5 and 6'6. Six, six. Did they ever fight each other? No, because their mother said, absolutely not. <laughs> Truly, <laughs> their mother said, you can't. And they weren't going to either. They were, uh, it's a beautiful story. They're uh, uh, lovely people uh, outside of the boxing ring. Uh, and uh, they've had they have many successes uh not just as boxers, they each, like I said, they each had that uh, held the heavyweight uh, crown. Vladimir was voted the ninth best boxer of all time. Mm. It kind of sounds funny coming off the tongue, the ninth best boxer. But when you think of who's ahead of him, you know, Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, and then Vladimir Klitschko coming in at nine, it's an amazing thing. He had the uh, gross misfortune of coming after Mike Tyson. All right. While Tyson, uh, you know, had uh, gone to jail and then came out and uh, his career was waning. And so the heavyweight division lacked a lot of uh, pop back then. So uh, and it wasn't really uh, it wasn't really filled with uh, a couple of guys from Kazakhstan. (laughs) It it, it didn't have quite the, you know, the, the star power. But anyway, Vladimir today worth 90 million dollars. Wow. Vitaly, wow. Probably $30 million. They each lived in LA. Uh, one of them, I want to say Vladimir, uh, I don't know who, what she's famous for, but I see her name. Hayden Penitary. Is that the yeah. name? Yeah. Okay. Save the cheerleader, save the world. That was okay. Her. Married her, had a kid with her. Uh, both lived in LA, made lots of money. Both good guys. And uh, Vladimir uh, is a adjunct professor at a a university in Switzerland. Each of them speak four languages. These are each of them are expert chess players. And uh, the thing that I love about the, uh, them the most is that they both love each other. They've never stopped being brothers. They were there for each of their fights and uh, never stopped cheerleading for each other. They, uh, for example, I mean, they have so many records, and you probably don't even know this because of the time in which they did it. Vladimir has the most heavyweight title wins in boxing history. He has won 23 title fights. It's, it just never happens anymore. It just doesn't happen. He had two heavyweight title reigns. Uh, Vitali, not quite as successful, but equally good in terms of making money. Now, you say to yourself, okay, what the hell is he talking about? Why was he saying that this story is germane to today? And that is because Vitaly Klitschko is now and has been the mayor of Kiev in Ukraine. This is where both of them live. This is where both of them came back to, because although they were born in Kazakhstan, they moved to Ukraine and were raised there and became Olympic champions and 
pro champions. Eventually, if you're going to be a success in boxing, you have to move to the United States. You have to be in and around Las Vegas, Los Angeles, that kind of thing. And they did. And this is where they became world champions and made their money. Now, I am so I have such admiration for both of them because with that kind of money and that kind of power and the kind of you know world renown they have, they can be any place in the world. But where they are now, where they both are, is somewhere in Kiev. And they are on the actual hit list of Vladimir Putin. He wants them. He wants, I mean, you know how he wants all these people dead, right? These two have spoken out so forcefully against him. Just today, I think it was, uh, Vladimir was asked, uh, you know, he was a a reporter said, do you think that... uh, the Russians are being truthful about not targeting uh, civilian targets. And he was standing in front of a theater that had been bombed. And he said, bullshit, look at this. This is what's happening. So these two guys, I mean, what guts, what courage. They're not on a yacht somewhere in the Greek Isles. They're in their, uh, their adoptive country. You know, they're fighting for it. So the Klitsch goes, watch this documentary. This is actually a 2011 uh, it doesn't have obviously doesn't have any of the today's references in it, but it shows you the kind of people they are and where they got their start and how you know their love for each other and their family and all the obstacles they they overcame brought them to where they are now. Wow. So cool. I'll watch yeah, it. Yeah, I'm gonna That's watch amazing. I always thought that, that the awesome. Klitschko's were were the were going to be an opportunity. You know, we all enjoyed heavyweight boxing, right? It was a thing mm. for a long time where it was like, it was must see TV and you had to watch Tyson and Holyfield and all these big personalities and these big names fight. And I always thought that uh, watching the Klitschko's that this would, these two would be superstars in that right. And you know, they were to some degree, but not like the Holyfields or, or Mike Tyson no. or some of the, you know, Butterbean or whatever these other Guys who have these long butterbean personalities. Butterbean. <laughs> yeah. Butterball. Remember Butterbean? Oh, um, yeah. And I'm fascinated by their story because when it comes down to it, I think they were just nice guys, right? They were nice guys who they really were. knew how to box. And so I don't think they got the – and, you know, the world was turning MMA at the time too. So I think it was yeah. just a – That's a, a good point. Yeah. yeah, it was it, – it's strange that it's described as a lull in the uh, heavyweight, uh, you know, history – it was when you realize what yeah. what they both did, particularly Vladimir, to mm-hmm. win twenty three heavyweight title title fights. I don't mean bouts. He defended his title or fought in others twenty three times. That's just an amazing number. Wow. There you go. I love how passionate Bob is about boxing documentaries. He does a lot of them on the show, and each one is as insightful as the next. This one, Klitschko. Of course, very relevant with everything going on in Ukraine. Great job, Bob. Our next discussion is on Genius, a Kanye trilogy with guests Esther Navarez and Jeff Horst. Take it away, Esther and Jeff. Speaking of genius, let's genius. Let's ask a Kanye trilogy. Esther. All right. Yes. So this was on Netflix. I don't know. Did anybody see this? No, no no oh wow well jeff did yeah and uh and feel free to chime in yeah. Jeff as well but it is filmed it's a documentary it is filmed like 22 years ago i think 21 years ago but he's been filming his life since then since 22 years ago there's a there, he has a friend 
His name is Cootie. And his friend did stand-up comedy. And his friend stopped doing stand-up comedy on a regular basis. Did it a little bit on the side, but with stand-up, you do it every night, pretty mm-hmm. much, the people who are really trying. He you- stopped doing stand-up to film Kanye's life when Kanye didn't even have a deal yet. He was a producer, but he didn't have anything. So he's filmed, I mean, produ- producing. He knew people, but he's filming this, and Cootie's just there his whole life with his mom, with it. For 22, he's... During the filming of it, there are times when when he gets famous. Part of the story is how he treated Cootie when he got when he big timed him a bit, and then they didn't talk for a while. But this friend, it would be like, and the voiceover is terrible. I hate the voiceover. Jeff enjoys it. This guy talks like Kanye had didn't know what was gonna happen to him when he walked yeah. into this room like yeah. why did he sounds like he, he adds like extra syllables to words that somehow but then when he talks, <laughs> he talks like so when they just slow. show him talking he, he sounds, sounds normal fine. he sounds normal he sounds when like he's a man talking. but when he's doing the voiceover i don't know what got into him but it's ridiculous and he um there would be times when he's like i hadn't talked to kanye in six years. But when I heard Kanye was going to be in New York, I knew I had to go and film him. Why, though? Your yeah, best why? friend didn't talk to you for six years and is doing things with Taylor Swift and all the things that, yep. you know, like George Bush hates black people. Kanye got cootie. All right. But um, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he would just be there. I couldn't understand and I was also tripped out by the Kanye and um, stand-up connection that I didn't know yeah. was so tight because like one of the guys on his first album is a stand-up comic that mm-hmm. has a show here in LA that I was like, he was like on mm-hmm. um, D Ray Davis. What is it called again? The first album college dropout. Yeah. He was in college dropout. I didn't remember he did a Bernie that Ma- was him. He was the Bernie Mac impression of. Yeah. On that, it was just on interesting how the stand-up, coincided and i worked in uh recording studios in chicago and so one of the engineers was a guy that i used to work with and it was so interesting seeing all the recording studio stuff because the other thing was how he just glazed right over r kelly like they just showed him in one of the because this was in what year would i don't remember what 22 years ago is i think it was around 99 or something but it was around the time when r kelly got in trouble for peeing on the girls and all they show is (laughs) kanye watching <laughs> little girls. I'm sorry, I meant little girls. Um, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I was not little, specific enough. Little, at all. little little blonde blonde girls. Sorry. Little girls. They show him like watching the news coverage of when he found out, which mm-hmm. I think is just so funny to for mm-hmm. him to pretend like he never knew. Everyone in the music industry in Chicago all knew each other and all knew that. R. Kelly was peeing on girls, but that's a different documentary. So, um, comedy anyway. wise, they also had Jamie Foxx. So, yeah, when it, the yeah. Jamie Foxx aspect of it, it was an interesting they gave connection. him freedom to just kind of be funny. Yeah, it was it, interesting. It showed how he started out knowing or thinking that he was talented, a genius, deserved what he got. <laughs> that Jay-Z, before anything, Jay Z co- didn't give him what he deserved in a timely fashion, even though he's credited as like starting helping start Kanye's career when mm-hmm. he was just. And Kanye would rap to anyone. He would just, he was so just motivated, 24-7 working. He would walk into an office where, at the label he wanted to be on, Rockefeller, 
we're just a woman's answering the phone and he's like he, he just, all right well i gotta do my it. new song for you and he'd play it and just start rapping to this receptionist and she's just like, she's I, like I, I, I don't know what to do I, with I, this i can't help <laughs> your career I, I answer phones i don't really know what you want me to do with this it was, and- it was just so great to see how in the beginning his mom it's um his mom's named donda and he she passed away during the course of this filming because it's filmed for 20 years, but uh, I can't remember what year it was like 2008 or something like that when she passed away. And he was just so, she was the only one that he would listen Mm -hmm. to. And you can just see where, when she passed away, his mental health issues happened and it just went into a spiral of like, Oh, I just look, watch it. Like, I wish she wasn't going to die. Like I want to watch the, you know, you're watching a documentary. She died from the, from uh, a plastic surgery, plastic surgery, mm-hmm. like a botched like plastic, plastic surgery, surgery. Yeah, issue. That's rough. But yeah. she was so sweet. I thought she was going to be she, like kind of like a stage mom type mm-hmm. woman, and she was. She was just really, really genuinely sweet and supportive. She knew his raps. That's how supportive she was. Is it's the, it, it, it's insane as a comedian thinking from that perspective of like my mom knowing word by word how a joke of mine goes. You know what <laughs> I mean? Not just the premise of it, but no, because she would be like, "Are you still going to do this song?" And then she would just like say the whole verse, and that's like that level of how supportive she was of his career to where she was an active part of every decision he was making when she was around. Yeah. It made me kind of have a little sympathy it, for him, even it's though a, he I think does it's, terrible things. I think it's impossible to watch it and not have slightly more sympathy than you had before to at least see how we got the person that we have today to see like, Nobody starts. He was a good. You saw him do so many random acts of kindness throughout it, too. Yeah, he just, really did. Of, and it showed like why he's with a Kardashian. Like, I'm sure he's like, oh, wait, you've been filming yourself for 20 years. Hey, I've been filming myself for 20 years. Put this documentary <laughs> yeah, I mean, I used to make fun of Kanye all the time. Like, I'm well, I say, like, you know, going back five or six so years on Twitter and stuff like that. But once you start to realize there was probably some real issues mm-hmm. going on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, you know, you're like, oh, God, you know, it's kind of like, you know, all the mea culpas people have to do with Britney Spears and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 But it was but, interesting uh, to see his work ethic and um, how everything came about for mm-hmm. him. Of the, going from the strategy of being a producer and rapper was just a very interesting dynamic because nobody respected people only viewed him as a producer. They're like, oh, no, you make beats. That's what you do. But he made beats mm-hmm. so he could rap over them to just cut out the middleman and just be in control of his own career. But it took years for people to respect that he could do both things. So the one question that we always ask in uh, in a documentary style show. So this is three episodes. Yes. Could it have been one episode, two episodes? Mm-hmm. Was it rightfully a solid three episodes? It could have been <laughs> way more episodes. <laughs> well, okay. uh, because he f- had so much footage for so long, even though they, he didn't film constantly through some of the times when he was like a bigger name, but they could have just put together. It was more about the guy who filmed it, like Cootie. He, when he didn't film, he didn't fill in a ton of blanks. There are albums they didn't even talk mm-hmm. about that are some of his most famous albums just because Cootie wasn't there for it. But they I always could, wonder, somebody could have I, put it together. I always wonder how you can edit that much footage into something that's really usable. You know, yeah, it's a very like, boring like, life. Yeah, how many years did it take? 22 years of footage 
That's what and they that did with uh, Get Back with yeah, uh, I was the Beatles. Gonna, Jeff, you're on my mind oh, today, yeah. man. That's exactly what I was just going <laughs> to say. Like when you have that much footage, you can create any narrative you want about the person. Like you can make yeah. it say anything you want about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, you got, exactly. You got 20 years of footage. Yeah. So, Pick all the good or bad emotions that this person exactly. displayed throughout that much time. I, 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 I just think Kanye's a genius. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know he's had his issues and, and all that, but I, I find him just absolutely insanely smart. And, and like everything he does in my mind isn't crazy, like that he's got a logic to it that is a level above all of us. I don't know about the I, president part. But. I, don't about the pres- I don't know about any of it. I don't understand it. Oh, well, I think was, any I, any megalomania. I, I think that was president. a little manipulation that he was being manipulated a bit. I'll go. I'll say I, that. The, I definitely I, cried. I told. Mm, I like. Mm. There was a part when he was bonding with his mom, and I was like, I was a mess, and I was like, really, I'm crying over. And I don't just cry <laughs> all the time. Like, but I was like, crying over kind of, you're you're gonna gonna be a record of who, everything, everything cries. You're going to be on record of somebody who doesn't cry all the time. Is that I don't what think I cry all? I mean, not for life, but television. I, tell, I don't think I cry at every sad thing. Okay. But, I mean, we collectively cry more than probably most people we know, but still. Mm. <laughs> well, a reminder, where, where do we find this? Netflix. Netflix. All right. And it's a solid three episodes. Are they like 45 minutes episodes or? No, they're long. I do. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, Wasn't and, one like three hours? Maybe, maybe the last one was, but I feel, I feel like, like the first two long. were like an hour to an hour and a half, I thought. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, I don't remember. All right. All right. Great job. Yep. All right. Esther Navaris and Jeff Horace. What a great review. That's from episode 67 of Crossing the Streams. Up next, our final segment for this bonus episode comes from episode 68. The television show is Family Tree. I dived into Family Tree when I was preparing to interview Jim Piddick. You can check out the Classic Conversations feed and tune into the full episode with Jim Piddick. We talk a little bit more about Family Tree in that episode, go a little deeper, and of course, a lot of other Jim Piddick stuff. But in the meantime, here's our review, led by myself, for Family Tree. Take it away, me. show to discuss today is called Family Tree. So let me just say, I did not see this when it first came out. So I just literally watched it last week. It is a Christopher Guest and Jim Piddick creation. It was originally thought of Christopher Guest wanted to do something on genealogy. He was getting into genealogy and his writing partner at the time, he approached Jim Piddick. And Jim Piddick is, if you think back to Best in Show and Fred Willard and Jim Piddick were the ones broadcasting. He was the British guy who was kind of taking Fred Willard. (laughs) The, the ignorant the American. Man. Yes, he was the yeah. straight man, but in turn, turned it into comic gold. The idea of this movie or this show, Family Tree, they end up pitching it as a television series. Because the concept of exploring genealogy, you know, like a tree, you know, has many branches and didn't seem like it was something you could really effectively fit into a, a 90 minute movie. They worked together, Jim Piddick and Christopher Guest, to create family tree it was bought by hbo for on this show we talk a lot about british humor usually when brian green's here this show is a perfect split between british humor and american humor the way the show kind of starts is tom chadwick who is brilliantly played by 
Chris O'Dowd. He's kind of like the main character. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't get the private chat note about not coughing into the microphone. Huh? <laughs> no mute button. Yeah. The uh, So Tom Chadwick, uh, his great aunt dies. He is bequested this like stuff, just stuff. It's, you know, and one of them is like a picture of uh, a person and kind of, you know, like a, like an army kind of guy, you know. And so he gets starts to get real interested. One, because he's got nothing else to do because he just lost his job and his girlfriend just dumped him. So he decides he's going to discover his roots. And it's an eight episode show. It takes place on HBO, as I mentioned. And this is his quest to track down his genealogy. So his bro- his sister is played by Nina Conti, who Nina Conti, uh, her character, the, you know, the, all these characters have, have extensive backstory in any Christopher Guest production. She's had something that happened in her childhood and has a pet monkey that she has in her hand that is always there and is just a member of the family. And she talks, it was meant to help her, you know, get her feelings out, but it just never went away. So Nina Conte is a professional ventriloquist. In addition to an amazing actor, it's an amazing thing. You know, the the greatest thing about the Christopher Guestings is they, they find these threads and these just weird angles on things and just play it out. And it's like, I don't know how as a normal person, I, you know, you never would think of certain threads like this. So she's a sister. And then uh, Jim Piddock, who was uh, uh, one of the co-creators, he's got a, a character called Mr. Feister, and he runs a shop where it helps him dig into the genealogy. Michael McKeon plays Chris O'Dowd's father. Uh, so good. Tom Bennett plays Pete, who's t- uh, Todd, Tom Chadwick's Chris O'Dowd's buddy in arms that helps kind of comes with him through this journey. Through the journey, they... One little piece leads to another. Oh, this was your grandfather. I'm not going to give it away because it's comedy. So some of the reveal comes from the, that humor. It kind of just unfolds. And the first four is unfolding in the UK, in the Britain, where they in, where they live. And then he starts to connect with Ed Begley Jr., who's a Chadwick in the United States. So they invite, he's invited to the Los Angeles to come meet the family there. So he comes to L.A., and they start to unravel different things there. Oh, this is your mother. She was a Native American. You know, this and this. You know, they go to Indian, you know, <laughs> Indian land to learn more about that. And they run into Kevin Pollack. And then they find out something else. And, you know, so it just sort of kind of plays out. Oh, and Fred Willard, of course, is in in the American side. And Christopher Guest plays this really great character as well as he always does you know a lot of times in the later movies he played like these really understated just amazing characters where like it's in best in shows it was much bigger part of it all of them are directed by christopher Guest, and i loved it like i originally was just gonna i put on a couple episodes just to kind of check it out and then just got sucked right into it they're like <laughs> 30 minute episodes something like that i thought it was great the the sad thing about it is that they it didn't get picked up for a second season. So it would have been so great to just kind of explore it or pick a different kind of concept, Christopher Guest concept, and kind of play it out this way as well. I enjoyed it as an eight-episode series, that style of how they do it, the mockumentary type stuff. This really, I thought, was really, really good. Did you any of you ever see this? Or? Oh, no, I never saw it. never even heard of it. What, what I'm sorry. What network did you say it was? It's on HBO. HBO. Okay. Yeah. 
I heard of it, but I never wa- I heard of it, but I never watched it. And I, I love Christopher Guest. I, I I think that I think they the whole team is immensely talented. Just everybody who you named associated with this, I have mad respect for. So I have yeah. no doubt. And I, I, as we've talked about on previous shows, British humor. I, I I freaking love British humor. So the fact that they mix it well and they have the right team in place, I I have no doubt. I would love this. When when did you say this show was produced? This is from 2013. Okay, so it's you know eight eight nine years old. Yeah, it's pretty old. I I, I remember when I interviewed Ed Begley Jr. Name drop. He had yeah. You know, usually I dig into stuff, but it was one of those things that uh, I ended up watching Mascots, which was a, a a movie they made after this. In the same you know Christopher Guest and Jim Piddick wrote that movie this was on the list and he mentioned it. So it was always, it was on my radar. Finally, I just, you know, that became my, my treadmill show. Mm. And so, you know, I figured I'll try it. Chris O'Dowd is amazing. I really became invested in the characters and they, they do a really good job evolving the characters and kind of giving them some, you know, they always do a great job of giving them real 360 lives and things that they're into and quirks and all that kind of stuff. I think that's one of the really cool, unique things about all the Christopher Guest movies. Eugene Levy is not in it, but they had a lot of the cast. Jane Lynch isn't in it. Those are the yeah. two that I think. Uh, She's so Kath- great. Catherine O'Hara. I is not yeah. in it. You know, those are like the, some of the the ones that are off the top of my head that you know are the regular troupe. But I guess they couldn't get everyone in. Uh, I'm not huge on British humor, but you had me at best in show. So mm-hmm. uh, you know that that that's up there in my got to be in my top ten, if not my top five movies. I love it. So uh, if this is up there, then I, I definitely need to check yeah, it's this a out. Good one. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, the British humor is is good. It's it's good. It's um it's definitely great and then there's some payoffs on the american side of the how uh, how is jane lynch is she is she she's not in it she's not in it oh she's not in it oh no, okay. yeah yeah jane lynch is one of the people not in it got so, it got it yeah fred willard is hilarious as always oh, as always as always it's just too good it's just too good really it is so mm. i loved it it they it finishes but it's open ended at the same time so you don't feel like not having a season 2 that you're like, oh, I feel like I'm fine with the way it ended. They, but they left it so they could have kept going. But they also kind of ended it, if that makes sense. They, they HBO kinda, was, and so it's on HBO right now. Was it was it produced by HBO or did they? Buy I believe it, it was made by. It might have been made by. Yeah, yeah, it's HBO. It's HBO. So the reason I ask is, that, you know, I think more than any other network out there, they have this sorry history of canceling shows too early. I, I talked about this way early ago. My very favorite show on HBO was Carnival that they canceled after two freaking seasons, you know, and they, and there are, there's a bunch of other HBO shows that they also canceled that had huge followings at the time. So I wonder, I have to believe at the time when they canceled this, a bunch of people were bummed out about it. I think it was costs, but it was one of those decisions that got made and they didn't actually try to work with, Christopher Gass or Jim Piddick to work through that issue. They just canceled it. But it is totally worth checking out. I, I mentioned the fact that it ends well because sometimes like I'll be like, oh, there wasn't a season two. I'll just skip it. I'll go on to something else. Right. But I think this survives extremely well as an eight episode run. I mean, you'll, you'll feel very satisfied watching this a hundred percent. Check it out. That's, I put the Jeff DeWaskin guarantee on it. <laughs> All right. I cannot suggest Family Tree enough on HBO. 
Well, that was a great episode, huh? Great bonus episode. Klitschko, Family Tree, Genius, the Kanye trilogy. You got a lot of homework, so I'm going to let you get at it. Head on over to the couch, grab your remote, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while. 